You're listening to the Patchwork Radio Theater Podcast. Welcome to episode two of Patchwork Talkback with Chelsea O for October 2020. Today, Chelsea gets spooky with cast members from our Cthulhu mythos. Trevor Hall, who played Robbie O in Shadow Over Innsmouth and Whisper in Darkness, and Kira Davey and Brian Patrick Stoyle, who played Tammy the Grocery Girl and Zadok Allen in Shadow Over Innsmouth. This podcast was taken from a patron-only live stream, so... If you'd like to watch Talkback Live or watch new episodes of radio plays and live chat with cast, creators, and other listeners, please consider becoming a patron. Any contribution helps and is appreciated as it goes towards keeping a steady flow of content coming out. But times are tough right now, and we understand that. So if you can give a couple bucks, that's awesome. And if you can't but still want to help, nothing helps more than word of mouth. So tell your friends, help us get ears on this content, and we'll keep putting out new and exciting radio plays monthly. Now, I want to take a moment to personally thank our patrons this month. William Horn, who has a fantastic name. Kira Davey. Andrea Perry. Rosemary Laurenti. Nicholas Lama. Nathan McCandless. CO9019. And Brendan Cunningham. This is made possible by you. Thank you. Sincerely from me. Thank you. Lastly, Patchwork is on social media, so look for us on our website, patchworkradiotheater.com, uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash patchworkradiotheater, we're on Twitter at twitter.com slash radiopatchwork, and Instagram at instagram.com slash patchworkniagara. Now please keep in mind that we spell theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Now, without further ado, enjoy this episode of Patchwork Talkback with Chelsea L. Hey y'all, welcome to Patchwork Talkback with Chelsea O, the second episode ever. I'm really excited to be here. Today we're going to talk to some of the actors who are in The Shadow Over Innsmouth, as well as The Whisper in Darkness. So I have with me uh, Trevor Hall and Kira Davey. Hi. Hi. Do you want to both talk about uh, what roles you played? Would you like to go first, Trevor? Oh, sure. So uh, I'm Trevor Hall. I play uh, Robert Olmstead or Robbie O in Shadow Over Innsmouth and uh, Whisper in the Darkness. Hi, um, I played Tammy in Shadow Over Innsmouth and I played a fangirl in uh, Whisper in the Darkness. Fangirl, very nice. And I hear we have a, another guest um, <laughs> on the side. <laughs> I apologize. My my dog is very anxious. Anxious. His name is Chip. He is a good boy most of the time, but he doesn't like it when I talk on the phone because he gets scared. That's all right. That's okay, Chip. We're we're nice. I think here for the most part. <laughs> so okay, to get started, how familiar with were both of you with the Cthulhu? I I, I you know was just told that this isn't supposed to be pronounced by human tongues but cthulhu mythos before this production um not very if i'm being honest um like you know i know of hp lovecraft and obviously he's like a titan in the world of sci-fi and like that was about it <laughs> that's pretty much all i knew about like the world that he's created and, and cthulhu and all the mythos surrounding it I was uh, semi-familiar with it. Um, I had some friends who were big fans. I hadn't read anything personally myself. There is a um, 
Dr. Seuss style children's like book about the Call of Cthulhu, which I have read. And boy, that's a great way to simplify it for people who have like no idea what uh, what what HP Lovecraft is. It's a great introductory read. It's kind of expensive. It was like 20, 25 bucks. Um, but I started getting more into it after I was cast in Shadow of Rinsmith. Okay, very cool. So I did some research myself on H.P. Lovecraft and the Cthulhu mythos after listening to these plays. And so I realized that a lot of the original names are used that were used, you know, like in the stories before. But there's some, you know, they're kind of brought into present day, notably, you know, Robbie O. He's a YouTube star. <laughs> so do you think like that affected the storyline and the original perception of the characters from the original work? Or do you think that it actually translated well to present day and it didn't really matter personally i think it translated extremely well because um you know myths and legends are exactly that and they they're supposed to be timeless they should be timeless um so i think the idea of having like a youtuber who who experiences who has a, a run-in with myth is super interesting and cool well, I think the biggest issue with translating um, older texts, because, you know, H.P. Lovecraft was like early, early 20th century, I think the biggest hurdle is always um, but cell phones. Uh, a lot of very classic movies, um, if you watch them nowadays, a lot of people think, oh, if they had cell phones, this would have been resolved in five minutes. Um, so I think uh, Billy, when he adapted Shadow Over and Smith into the stage play and then into the radio play, he worked around it really well. You know, there was the, oh, I have no signal, but, you know, Robbie O using the, uh, the phone to, you know, distract some of the grunts to try to escape. Um, I think it ended up being sort of a plot element, which I think is really neat. So, yeah, I think um, taking the sort of timeless horror elements because, you know, Elder Gods are still scary to people today, but incorporating a technology in a realistic way definitely helps bring a balance. Industrial loan gives you away as an out-of-towner. The townies here tend to hunch, or have a hunch. Not a hunch like, maybe it's lupus, but more like a my kingdom for a horse kind of hunch. I miss Cable. No Cable? Not in Innsmouth, no. This place is about 50 years behind everything. Check your phone, I bet there's no signal. There isn't. I noticed when I got off the bus. No Wi-Fi either. No cable. No internet, which is just cruel because you can clearly see the telephone poles along the road into town. I have a landline and fax machine here in my boss's office. Other than that, though, we are totally cut off. <laughs> it's very isolating. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it worked really well. And speaking of modern day and Robbie Owen being a YouTube star. So in Shadow of Rinsmith, I wanted to wring this guy's neck. <laughs> oh, me I mean, too. Yeah, you know, it was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but he seems to do a lot of growing up between that and Whisper in Darkness. And so my question to you as an actor, Trevor, would be, was it more fun though to play obnoxious Rabio versus serious Rabio? Um, yeah, I think, so the, I think the easy answer is yes. Um, because like, he's this despicable dude who just, who does these, you know, very YouTube-y, like, silly things, uh, and he, like, refers to himself as your boy, and he's super big, and blah, 
And so like, that's really fun to play with as an actor because you get to like uh, play around with a lot of different things and like you can start really, really big. And then, you know, Billy will like rein you in like that's, that's too much or like, Oh, it's like, that's cool. Go bigger. Uh, so I think as an actor, yeah, Robbie O's super fun to play. Um, but there's also something really fun in, uh, the way he kind of turns from like this big obnoxious YouTube personality into this like truth seeker of there's more out there and everyone deserves to know about it because it's super scary stuff. Hey, Robbie? Yes? I subscribed to your other channel. Well, thank you for that. Why is it so weird? I mean, it's all conspiracies and aliens and shit. You don't even stream games anymore. Well, I'm one of the biggest independent news personalities on the platform, and I, I think that says... It's not news, brah. That's all clickbait. And it's really sad, because you used to be fun, but now you're uptight and taking yourself too serious. Like, give me the booze and pranks, not all this monster hunting and government conspiracies. Well, first off, it's not monster hunting, it's cryptozoology. And the government conspiracies? No, that shit's legit. They're lying to you about everything. Fucking A, man. Hey everyone, this is Billy Horn, creator of The Patchwork Theater, and this is a micro-review for the audiobook Denver Moon, The Minds of Mars by Joshua Viola and Warren Hammond. This is not a sponsored review. I'm not getting any kickback from this. This is just my honest thoughts. I'm going to do this kind of off the cuff because I don't want to take up too much time away from Chelsea. Um, Denver Moon, The Minds of Mars, uh, again, by Joshua Viola and Warren Hammond. Um, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. Um, this is also a, it's short. I think it's around four hours, a little over four hours long. And um, yeah, I did this in a span of two walks with my dog. And um, this was this was really entertaining. I'm gonna try and keep this as spoiler-free as possible. Um, I do want to talk about the prologue, which I thought was awesome. This was really creepy because it, it's this idea of being trapped and isolated on an alien planet, not having any memory of how you got there. Um, it's this survival horror thing that I, I love. I thought that was immediately engaging, so I was in from there. Um, after that, we, we start following Denver, our, our main character. Now, I thought this was going to be a science fiction adventure story. It's really not. I mean, there's elements of it, but this is a sci-fi noir, straight up. Denver Moon is a Martian P.I. Um, and she has that old school flair for, for language. But um, thanks to a wonderful performance by Amanda Day, she keeps you engaged, whereas other often male performers in similar genres tend to overplay the tough guy trope and can be unlikable. The story itself is very good. Um, it starts with the investigation of a 20-year-old message left by Denver's grandfather, who was one of the first settlers on Mars. Now, all the while, there is this looming threat of the red fever, this, uh, this illness, this plague on Mars. Um, which is written in an extremely haunting way, especially early on. There's a scene where Denver is narrating about the possible origins of the disease, and the, the creepiest one being that people went mad from just seeing the endless sea of red on the face of Mars. Even even the air they were breathing was tinted red, and uh, and the immunity of colorblind people. 
Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the second performer on this audiobook. There are two narrators. The second one being Nicholas Kane, who does a lot of heavy lifting in this production, giving voice to the majority of characters Denver encounters. Uh, this is a talented actor with a lot of finesse in his performance. Um, he can give unique voices to the plethora of roles he takes on, but he handles it with enough maturity and restraint to not make them too big and become caricatures instead of characters. Now, overall, uh, the story reminds me a lot of uh, The Dresden Files, which was a book series I loved, and a sort of combination of genres. Um, and it's, it's also like the kind of thing I would have loved to have seen the Sci-Fi Channel adapt back when they were doing quality work, like things like Dune and The Children of Dune. Again, it's short, it's a lot of fun. Um, I am recommending this. Uh, Joshua Viola and Warren Hammond wrote an entertaining and engaging story in an unexpected genre and it was brought to life by two fantastic performers in Amanda Day and Nicholas Kane. Yeah, that's it, that's all I got. It's quick, it's fun, and um, I really enjoyed it, and I hope you guys do too. Now all that being said, I do wanna say that this was a lot of fun to do. Um, the, the homework of uh, having to listen to something new and give my thoughts on it. Uh, I really enjoyed it, I lucked out with this, with this piece at least. Um, but I am open to doing more, so if you're an author and you have an audiobook out there and you want to get a little two-minute micro-review like this, by all means, reach out and I'll, I'll give your stuff a listen. And, uh, you know, I'll give you my honest thoughts, good or bad. And, yeah, it, it won't be anything crazy or big, but, uh, you know, these little two-minute reviews that I can sneak into episodes of Talkback, um, yeah, I'm down to do more. So if you've got material, um, by all means, reach out. All right, now back to Chelsea. Did you have a particular inspiration, though, for Robbie? Like, <sighs> was there someone in particular that you were like, I want to emulate that person because I think they're really obnoxious? <laughs> uh, you know, um, Billy had given me someone back when we did the original stage play, and I don't remember who it was but he said look this person up i want to say it was a i want to say it was a wrestler that i guess was like really big but i drew on guys like like pewdiepie who are just like oh da, 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 da. um and i actually sent a video to billy the other day of a youtuber who was talking about Pokemon and he's like, what's up? It's your boy. And I was like, that's Robbie. Oh, that's how he sounds. And I hate it a lot. Well, there you go. <laughs> Did Billy have to rein you in a lot in that role? You were mentioning that before. Uh, there was, there was some give and take. Okay. There was right, some give and take fair. there. Yeah. Yeah. So Kira and your role is Tammy, the grocery girl. When you were first, reading that role and you know at first you're thinking tammy is really cool and on your side and then suddenly at the end we have kind of a switcheroo going like were you suspecting that from her did you know that going in um well i don't i don't think initially i think i um i i, I read the whole thing in one go and then it was like oh okay um i i, I feel like um Billy allowed me to sort of incorporate a lot of the elements of my personality into Tammy. And I could definitely see a lot of myself in her. So part of me was like, yeah, I could, I could see myself in this relationship with this bad fish man. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was a little, I, I got more familiar with it obviously as you, um, you know, rehearsals and whatnot, mm -hmm. but um, still tried to sort of incorporate 
that um, sort of, oh, shoot, it is a twist. Uh, you can't, you know, give too much away, so. Is this your first? Mm-hmm. What will you name it? If it's a girl, I want to name her Lavinia, after my aunt. And if it's a boy? Derek, after his father. Derek. Derek Waits. He's a local. You may have seen him in town. I like this. No, don't try and get up. Try and get up. Try and get up. What? Did you? Did you? Did you drug me? Did you drug me? I'm so sorry. They made me do it. If I saw you, I had to keep you here. Why? 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 Because I can't get out. Yeah, for sure. And in the second, um, in Whisper in Darkness, you are a, a fangirl. <laughs> Was that fun to play? Yeah, because that's sort of the antithesis. That's really not me at all being sort of this sort of <laughs> cute, flirty, like, oh my god, you're so funny, you're so great. That's that's not me at all. So even just being able to do a little bit of that is, is really fun. I think the great thing about the radio theater is you can play towards type and you can play against type because it's all audio. It's not visual at all. So I think um, a lot of people have been able to showcase their talents in really surprising ways. Yeah, very cool. Um, so obviously the story, a lot about the supernatural. Um, do either of you have a supernatural story you'd be willing to share? Have you ever had a personal experience? Oh, that's good. Uh, Kira, if you have, feel free to go first. I need to think. Oh, goodness. Um, unfortunately, the only thing I can really think of, aside from, like, little orbs of light and old dusty pictures that I've seen, is, um... I used to live in Lockport and and my my friends were dead set on believing that there was a ghost of this little girl living in my apartment, which was weird because, you know, I lived there all the time and I had never seen a little girl. I had never heard anything suspicious, no like cold spots or anything. I'm kind of naturally a skeptic, so it's sort of against my nature to try to perceive that anyway but yeah a friend of mine was like dude there's this little girl ghost in your apartment and then you know my ex's mom was like no no i'm sensitive to the paranormal and there's no ghost in your apartment it was it it's weird so not really but it's a fun little anecdote i guess okay all right <laughs> um you know i think i think i for sure believe in like aliens and stuff or i want to at least um but one time my girlfriend and I were at her house and we were on opposite sides of the apartment and she like out of the corner of my eye, I see her kind of like jolt back. And I was like, what, what's wrong? She was like, did you just touch my butt? And I was like, no, she's like something just touched my butt. I was like, I was here the whole time on the couch. I didn't move. I didn't touch you. So we decided that uh, she had a, a butt touching ghost. A ghost touched her butt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a that's a good story. Um, I just got word that we have Brian Patrick's Choil with us as well. Hello. Um, hi, Brian. How are you? I'm very well. I thank you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, why don't you say what part you played? I played Zadok Allen in The Shadow Over Innsmouth. Very cool. And uh, Brian, now that you've joined us, I can direct a question at you. All right. <laughs> So I guess this is, a, I suppose, maybe a basic question for an actor, but I'm still curious. How did you get into character for your role? How did you decide to like get into that mindset? Well, it, it's not 
something that is too far off from similar roles I've done for Billy's Productions prior. Um, I have played uh, TRCS, which was the newscaster for one of his other productions, Fall, when he had the physical production of Fall up a couple of times. And both that and Zadok tend to be very expository characters. So I am kind of used to just falling into that rhythm for a lot of Billy's works where, you know, this information is necessary to progress the plot to the next step. And it's a very important step because you also have to make that sound interesting, especially when all you have is your voice for the radio theater. And I um, am just very used to doing that for Billy. I always love doing that for Billy. He writes very good work. It's very easy to do that. Um, I actually had a little bit more concern over getting into the accent more than getting into the character itself with Zadok. That was a new thing for me. He uh, reached out to me at the beginning uh, when he was putting together the production and asked me, uh, hey, do you have a Yiddish accent? And I said, no. He's like, great, learn one. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Well, it played off very well. I thought the accent was very convincing, honestly. Thank you very much. All that time living in New York City helped a lot. <laughs> um, and you were mentioning, you know, you brought up being in an audio drama. And I had to do kind of with my next question. Because I know horror, especially, you know, you think horror movies, it can be viewed pretty heavily on relying on the visual aspect. But actually, when you think about it, leaving it up to the listener's imagination, I think, can make it scarier. Um, so do you think, I, this is for all of you, I mean, do you think that audio drama enhances a horror story? That's, I don't know. Um, maybe? I, I think it's maybe, I think maybe, because like there's, it's almost like a book in that your, your brain shows you what you want to see. So you kind of do like some world building stuff on your own when you're hearing these words and characters interact and like things happening around them. And so like you kind of build this world in your head and what it might look like. So I think there's a very strong, yeah, I think yes, maybe. Okay. I, I agree. Um, I think that Honestly, just the, the spoken word in horror is just so prevalent just from, I mean, even campfire stories. There's that whole stereotype of, you know, the calls coming from inside the house. It's all about, um, you know, expository dialogue and, again, leaving it up to the imagination uh, so that you can sort of tune the horror to your own sort of fears. Um, I think one of the biggest... This is also sci-fi, but I think another strong cultural prevalence is um, War of the Worlds, the Orson Welles broadcast. That was so scary that people thought it was real. So the fact that we can do it, you know, 100 years later, and some people are, you know, still scared just, just from the creepy vibe, the creepy music. Uh, I think that, honestly, there is, a, there is a future with, you know, horror podcasts and radio plays. Yeah, he never came up. He got out. He got past me. Fine. I'll check in the alley. Shit. Dumpster. Ah! You, you, you scared me. I was across the street. I, I, I just didn't see him. I, I, I know he does. All right, I'm going, I'm going.
I think sound plays a huge aspect for it. I mean, even if you just look in the realm of horror cinema, if you watch those movies on silent, you would not get the same scares that you would get. Everything's working in tandem with the audio. You have the underscoring, you have the sound effects, you have all of that. I mean, yes, you remember the hockey mask from the Friday the 13th movies, but you remember the that sound is what makes it so creepy. So having this platform where that's all you have to work with and having someone like Billy, who's very, very well versed in audio and music and storytelling within the, those structures, it's a fascinating and really fun uh, realm to play in. But yeah, that that sound, that can really set an emotional tone so strongly for horror. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. We, sound design is so vital <laughs> to all that stuff. And I mean, like you're saying, you're, you're mentioning Friday the 13th, but I always think of uh, Jaws. You know, mm -hmm. just like this two-tone yeah. thing, but it is so creepy. And it really, you know, as a kid, I watched that movie so many times and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and But it wouldn't be what it is without that sound design. And it's just, a, even though it's a, a simple sound design, it's still what makes the movie, really. Um, so yeah, I think sound has, and I thought that these both of these productions were sufficiently creepy <laughs> without you know me having to see anything. It was like all the actors brought across how you know their tension and how they were feeling, as well as like you guys are saying, you know, Billy has these scores and everything, and I just think it really came together very nicely. Get out of this town! Run! Don't stop until you're out of town! When I reached Maybe Water not. Street, I stopped and looked back, but Cthulhu. there was nothing. Relier. We got. There was no Nagu. sign Photography. of Zadok Allen. So, switching gears here, uh, one of the characters in these productions is Agent Tilden, Ann Tilden. And I'm curious what you guys think of her, because I feel like as the listener, um, there's a little bit of a, a mystery surrounding her, whether she's trustworthy, whether she's not. And I'm curious what you all think. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she, she had a more overall thematic arch. I mean, she does tie uh, Shadow and Whisper together because she is sort of the outlet for Robbie O. Um, honestly, he might not have even just delved in as much if it weren't for the fact that, you know, Anne showed him the jewelry and then suddenly he's drawn to it and then, you know, spoilers. Uh, but I think she's, you know, very no nonsense, but reserved. So I think maybe there is more of her shell that be that could come uncovered. But I think we might have to wait and see if there might be any more adaptations in the mythos first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Anne Tilton is a really interesting character because, and Kira, I don't know if you remember this, when we were doing the original stage production of it, um, there was talk of like, who is she? Is she an FBI agent? We don't know. And it kind of turned into like, um, yeah, she is. And so that is, that's something that was like talked about a lot because she was shrouded in mystery and she's still shrouded in mystery. She works for the FBI. So who knows what she's really up to or what she's really thinking. So I think that Anne is a super interesting character. And I, uh, I hope we see more of that character. Cthulhu. Those were my thoughts. Insmith jewelry was engraved predominantly with the father Dagon effigy. 
and sometimes he shone with a consort, Mother Hydra. But I had never seen this before. Have you? Anne? Anne-Marie? What happened next? It's always fascinating when you have a character that could have stopped the protagonist from having these terrible things happen to him <laughs> in the first place, but she lets it happen anyway. There's always something up her sleeve in that case. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> So, you guys, 2020, this has been a bizarre, bizarre and scary year in a lot of ways. Um, at this point, I think something out of the supernatural probably wouldn't seem <laughs> that fantastical. Um, that said, uh, do you feel like these audio dramas are appropriate for the time we're in? Or did you even feel like you were able to get into them more because of the time that we're in? Just like where we're all at emotionally, mentally? Um I mean, at this thoughts. point, who would doubt that sea creatures are yeah. coming in November? I mean, <laughs> there's always some interesting twist of fate that happens every month, it seems, this year. It's uh, definitely not the 2020 most people were planning for <laughs> in a lot of ways. But it's it's important that, you know, we remember that there's still, like, some boundaries, I guess. Like, Okay, yes, there were a lot of terrible things that no one saw a pandemic of this scale coming a year ago, you know, but here we are. But there's still a lot of terrible things that could be happening with, you know, sea creatures and mutations and all that stuff. Like, we're not we're not as bad off as we think we are. It's just different. But it, it hasn't gotten to the worst yet, and hopefully it doesn't. Yeah, I hope we don't get any visits from uh, the deep ones. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be bad. I'm just yeah. saying, if that happens, then we know we've hit rock bottom. But until yeah. then, we're doing okay. Comparatively speaking, we are doing okay. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been watching a lot of zombie movies since March. So, yeah, truth is definitely stranger than fiction. But I think it'll be a... The bar has been raised so high in 2020 that I think... It, I mean, Brian's right, like, an Elder God isn't that surprising, and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, we got the murder hornets. <laughs> yeah, that's <is> true. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Um, but I think, like, um, on a similar note, I think it's really important that, uh, that these kinds of things are happening right now. I think we all need it. Um, it's nice to jump into a world that's still pretty fantastical, but, like, not so much that it's like, huh, are there fish people around? Maybe. <laughs> My next question is a little goofy, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, Henry in Whisper in Darkness, um, how many dogs does he have? <laughs> I felt like Henry had like it was like oh four dogs killed six more dogs killed and then he still had dogs and I was like so it's a little goofy I know I just <laughs> it was a question that came to my mind I don't know if anyone actually has an answer to that but <laughs> I'm hoping that Henry achieved my dream and he moved to the woods and he just adopted all of the rescue dogs that were going to be put down at the shelter and then just just lived in them with peace and then suddenly these horrible things started happening so that's what I'm going to imagine that he rescued all those dogs and gave them a good life before all that unfortunate stuff happened. I appreciate that that imaginative thought. <laughs> I'd like to think so too. That he was I, helping them out. 
I don't remember ever hearing an exact number, but I, I, in the first read through, I pictured two things. He definitely either had just a fleet of dogs <laughs> that he had, like a he just ran a kennel, or he like lost a few dogs and then he was like, but I like dogs. And he went and got more and then those died. And then he went and got more. And this poor guy just can't keep dogs. <laughs> Not when you're dealing with uh, supernatural creatures. Right. <laughs> Our next call was on August 15th. A fucker shot and killed three of my dogs. Bullets were flying around the farmhouse. There were a myriad of claw prints in the road with the human prints of Walter Brown among them. You're sure it was him? <laughs> that little weasel of a man. Yeah, it was him. Only man in Vermont with feet so small. What did you do? I drove to town and bought more dogs and ammo. Not a good environment for a pet. <laughs> yeah, it was just something that uh, popped in my head. Like I said, I just felt like it was an endless fleet, as you said, of dogs. I was imagining him like surrounded by... <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Billy. I'm just jumping in here for a second, interrupting. Um, at this point in the interview, on our end, everything sounded fine and the conversation continued. But because this is taken from a live stream we do for our patrons, uh, we were unaware of the fact that uh, the outputs, for whatever reason, got really screwy here for Chelsea's question. So all you're missing right now is Chelsea asking the cast if they could play another Halloween themed character who it would be sure if, if we're talking about um, an individual as opposed to one member in a collective I would say maybe the, the Bride of Frankenstein because uh, she's kind of expressing in, in her limited ways um, what I'm feeling in 2020 I mean in Bride of Frankenstein she mostly just like hisses and screams <laughs> that's going on internally like all the time if we're talking about just like sort of a general sort of thing like a vampire or a werewolf as opposed to like a named character I would say maybe like a Romero zombie like I could see myself in Dawn of the Dead hanging around like torrid in the mall just you know <laughs> like why don't these jeans fit <laughs> resuming my my post-death life nice trevor are, you want to go are we talking about halloween thematically or halloween the franchise i think we're talking about halloween thematically like the thematically. entire holiday holiday okay. movies that it involves but if you want to do michael myers feel free i mean i think it'd be cool to play i don't play villain very often i think it'd be cool to to take a dive into being a villain and being maniacal and uh menacing i i recognize that i'm not a menacing person but i think it'd be cool to play it ryan i think i would be sean from sean of the dead (laughs) i'm probably more nick frost than i am a simon Pegg, but i would like to just throw my hat in the ring for sean (laughs) nice very cool. I appreciate that answer. <laughs> um, this is also another listener question. Uh, how much more difficult is it to act and react in an audio drama when you don't have other actors around? It's different. It's definitely a different process. Um, thankfully, um, Billy guided us very well with a couple of read-throughs in our rehearsal process first. So we did have a little bit of time to set the tone for how people were, you know, generally speaking, reading their lines. 
Um, obviously, there's going to be some variance when you go to record, but you had an idea of how the scenes were being played, and Billy was careful with giving notes and making sure that everything was staying on the same track. But it's definitely different. Like, you know, when you're on a stage, you have the um, the energy of your castmates and the energy of that live audience that is feeding you in, you know, giving you know little subtle uh, directions in how to play a scene or feel a moment every night, and it's different every night. But when you're in audio, especially with a lower budget production like this, it's just us. And, you know, for myself, I'm several hundred miles away from everyone else in the cast. And it is interesting doing that in your apartment by yourself. Uh, so you just rely on what came in the rehearsal process, as well as I tend to also give a few variances in line deliveries. Uh, and I'm not sure if that is to Billy's joy or if that is to his frustration <laughs> in the editing process, because obviously it's a lot of material to work through, but I like giving options, you know, so I think it's a, a safer bet when you're not the one controlling to give some variety of options, but definitely being informed by what we worked on in the rehearsal process, just like a regular play. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't speak to this Brian uh so when we did show over in Smith I sent Billy I think like two and a half three hours of of variances and he texted me it was like don't do that again oh no <laughs> it was too much I sent too much um I did mm -hmm. I mean I sent him a lot um but uh but on, on the other note yeah uh I'm with Brian. I I live in Colorado, so um, you know I'm I'm in diff a different time zone too, and uh, it's very hard to like muster up that energy that's not physically around you. So like I caught myself doing jumping jacks and then hitting record and going right into it because I needed something to like ramp me up. Yeah. How about you, Kira? Um. Well, I think. Uh, there was an additional challenge added for recording Shadow over all the other shows we've done because uh, I was in the stage. I'm sorry about my dog again. <laughs> uh, I was in the stage play first, and I am a very big actor. I've heard that all my life. I'm very presentational. So I, I think I found myself trying to tone myself down more, unlike my dog. Um, <laughs> But uh, again, it was very helpful, all of the readings we did. I tended to record my lines right after the readings for the muscle memory, but also um, the, the feedback I got helped. Again, most of it was either bring it down or, oh, you need to go more in this direction. Um, he did send us some, he did record a couple of the readings and would send them to us. So we would have a recording to go off of, but like Brian said, the energy is different. But yeah, it's always a challenge. Yeah, well, it played across though really well, all, you know, you guys. So congrats to all of you because you all did a great job. And uh, I hope that I'm sure that everyone who's watching this right now has already listened. But I mean, those people watching, I hope that they pass it along to their friends and have more people listen and let people in on what Patchwork Radio Theater is doing. So are you guys going to dress up for Halloween? And if so, what are you going to be? <laughs> I think I will be doing something very very easy i i'll probably be dressed as a pokemon just because i collect pokemon hats um i'll probably either be torchic and wear an orange sweater or i'll be a snorlax and i have a snorlax shirt um unfortunately i think i'll mostly just be bumming around my apartment 
I didn't get any trick-or-treaters last year because I live in a complex, so I'm not expecting any this year. I'll probably get a little candy just in case, but I'll probably just eat all of it myself. So I'll probably just uh, watch some horror movies, call it a day, snuggle my dog. <laughs> um, I'm actually, I'm going to, so I'm out of town. Uh, I'm going to a Halloween party this weekend, but I didn't pack a costume. And my friend told me that he had me covered and he sent me a picture of the Groucho Marx glasses. Um, (laughs) So I guess I'm going as Groucho Marx, which is fine. A comedic icon. I'm fine with that. (laughs) Cool. I haven't decided if I'm doing anything for Halloween since COVID is a little crazy, but I have a Ghostbusters suit in my closet that has not seen the outside of my closet for a little while. And Halloween just feels like a perfect time to bust that out again. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, you can't, even if I'm just going to be at home, which I will be (laughs) with my boyfriend, it's like, I can't like not dress up. So we're going to dress up and watch movies and, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, uh, you know, I was curious if you guys had costumes. So you guys, that really concludes my, my questions for the night, but thank you so much for joining me, all three of you. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah and I hope, uh, I'm not sure if there's more Cthulhu mythos coming up. Maybe. I sure hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll hear from you all again in the future at some point. Um, but to everyone who's been watching, thank you for joining us. Uh, the next radio play is going to be Absent-Minded Gay Angel, and it's starring Megan Miller and Joe, the Madness of Trip Zinc. <laughs> it premieres Sunday, November 1st, which is coming up crazy soon and you guys october's already almost gone i'm just i'm floored in any event all right well thank you all so much for joining us tonight and uh we will see you next time for patchwork talkback